the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. Hey, how you doing? This is the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, never going bald. I am reviewing that, though, uh, given the amount of uh, bald or balling listeners uh, I have. I think my discomfort at uttering this line every week is growing. And also, I guess I'm setting myself up for a fall, really, with that. I mean, I'm stressed like a lot of people. Uh, We're in the grips of this recession. This is unforeseen. Without a recession, without the last three years, I would certainly never ball, that's for sure. Uh, you know, going back, got my uncle, my dad's uh, older brother. He was 84 when he died. He, he had a big head of hair. My dad and his other brothers, uh, none of them went bald. Uh, they lived through the years of hunger in Spain during and after the uh, Civil War. None of them went bald. But what I'm realising is neither did they have to spend their days on uh, sex in the city looking for PA roles. So. Uh, with that in mind, I may have to drop that line. Uh, show 43, the 12th of January 2012, coming to you from SW8. Love, loss and lattes. Lots of lattes. Discarded Christmas trees everywhere in SW8. 20 years ago, I remember there were these strange uh, chalk symbols appearing across houses in South London. Weird symbols, uh, usually on the uh, side of people's uh, walls which were later revealed by the standard to be signs left by burglars for other burglars, um, warning them or uh, giving them an idea with each different symbol uh, as to whether the house was worth robbing. Uh, The one on ours, I think, clearly said, don't rob these poor spick bastards. Um, That's what these trees remind me of. The locals, I mean, I didn't even bother with the tree, but, you know, most of the locals, they've got their artificial trees, any spare money they've got going into the uh, fried chicken shops. But the well-to-do locals, and there are some uh, very well-to-do people around here, you know, they, they, they discard their Christmas trees, big Christmas trees, they leave them outside their houses. And it reminds me of these symbols that cropped up 20 years ago. Basically, these people with their trees, they're saying, we have the money to buy a real tree, we're doing okay, please rob us. Similarly, uh... A very fancy house on the main road here ground floor last saturday i'm walking past around midday and they're right by their window having breakfast you know, i don't have any net curtains here where i am i'm two floors up i don't like not having net curtains i've always i mean they might be seen as tacky but i think uh, you know i value my privacy i don't have that i'm struggling without them and that's eight months in this house now um but these people it was like they thought they were in a cafe all that was missing was the waiter. They did not care that everyone could see what they were doing. This was a main road. This wasn't a, you know, a, a residential street, a quiet residential street. This was a main road. Buses going past. I wouldn't have even done that on the first floor. I wouldn't sit and eat by a window on the first floor. Even if I'm eating here, even if it's daytime and I'm by the window, I'll bring the blind down. I will eat in the dark if I have to. Anyway, I come to you this week, a a diminished figure somewhat. Uh, Now a data cap on my mobile phone contract uh, really does affect the phone usage. Had uh, an uncapped contract for uh, four years. Uh, The uh, phone provider was trying to push me off that contract. Naturally, it wasn't in their interest for me to keep the contract, even though I'm not a heavy user. Uh, Funnily enough, all the uh, software issues that were troubling my phone during the period that the uh, phone providers were trying to get me off that contract. They've now disappeared since I moved on to my new teenager's uh, SIM-only contract. Coincidence? 
Anyway, um, what else has been going on this week? Uh, I'm smelling of cherry blossom and vanilla bean. That's a that's a good development. I love this smell. That vanilla bean lifts the smell. It's a great smell to start the year with. I don't know where I'll be smell wise come the end of the year, but this is a, this is a strong start. If I'd known it was such a nice smell, I'd have probably bulked, uh, done a bulk buy of the uh, cherry blossom and vanilla bean. Uh, because no doubt it was an offer. I wouldn't buy something unless it was on offer. Maybe you can let me know what smell you've seen the new year in with. Also, can you recommend a good sponge? Be interested. Not sure I've got a sponge uh, that's as easy to use as it should be. Um, hey, remember uh, December time, start of December. Uh, I told you about this raconteur that was in the cafe one evening. The young Peter, uh, Peter Ustinov. Uh, held court with a much older guy in the near empty cafe one evening talking about the final days of Ceausescu's Romania. Well, he was back today. I was in the cafe uh, around midday. This this guy, I mean, I suspect at tops, maybe early 30s. He was what I wanted Mickey Boy to be when we started doing Please Don't Hug Me. Uh, Mickey claimed he could talk about anything when we did our shows. We found that this simply wasn't true without heavy supervision. This kid can talk. He was back today. I he was in he was in there already when I turned up. He was talking about France with this French Basque guy who was in there. At the beret, uh, really did look like a stereotypical Basque guy. Uh, cafe was far noisier at this time. You know, it was the lunch hour. But you know, this kid, the raconteur, his voice could carry, and kind of I, I got a glimpse of him when I walked in. I didn't really get a proper look at him last time, and my first viewing of him today. I thought this guy looks a bit like Jimi Hendrix, but uh, and a sort of Mr. Tumnus-like goatee, you know, where the the growth under the chin is so thick that if they brush it with a lot of brush and they can give it a a brush-like effect, very very thick beard growth. Uh, he was sitting at the same table he was at last time, uh, ahead of the toilet table, uh, on that L-shaped bend. I I sit on the uh, toilet table at the end of that bend. He, and there's a table just uh, before that. And he sat at that table now twice. So I'm guessing that's his table. Wearing a tweed jacket, which I think is going to age anyone 20 years. That's not to rubbish the tweed jacket. I look forward to wearing one when I'm that age, if I make that age. Um, I heard enough from him today to establish he's northern. Um, uh, the French Basque uh, guy, very interesting. He confidently occupied the central table, which normally sits four. He's doing this at the lunch hour, and it's just him on his own. So either he doesn't know the cafe, and I suspect he doesn't because I've never seen him there before, or he's just simply very confident. He was sat awkwardly. He had his back turned to the rest of the cafe, so he turned around, half around, to uh, be able to uh, uh, chat to the raconteur. Again... Uh, as with the uh, the guy at the st uh, start of last month, no one offered to join each other's tables. Uh, the French guy spoke superb English, absolutely brilliant English. All these kind of late 80s weird Burton design trousers, wide bottoms, pinstriped. I think it was a trouser design that Zara's tried to revive in the uh, mid-noughties, and I don't think they were too successful. The uh, Basque guy confirmed with the raconteur whether it was okay for him to continue the conversation as the raconteur ate, which I thought was a nice touch. Um, even if I was a raconteur and just loved the sound of my own voice, I would welcome that. I think it would tell me that the person I was chatting with was very nice, a decent, decent guy. Um, the raconteur confirmed, of course, it was okay to continue chatting. Of course it was. I mean, he loves to chat. He's a raconteur. 
And uh, yeah, I don't know. I wonder one day whether we'll talk, he, he and I. I don't think so, given the positions of our tables. And he's also too loud for me. Uh, I think I'd struggle with that. And then what happened, and this was interesting, the bass got, uh, guy got up to leave. He stood at the table of the raconteur, pro- probably initially with the intention of saying goodbye, whatever, shaking hands and leaving. Um, no handshake was forthcoming. The conversation simply continued. It moved on to secret societies and JFK. Uh, no handshake, no exchanging of contact details. Uh, ended, like I say, four, 45 minutes later. Raconteur got up. Uh, I think they, they wished each other well uh, and so on. I saw enough of him this time to establish he's got a curly perm. A very flash goatee with the uh, what they call the cum catcher underneath. I was told this by a gay guy once. Uh, you know, that kind of zap a bit that you got under your bottom lip. It's called the cum catcher. He had lots of teeth. Chimp-like jaw. Lots of teeth. Like Ron Perlman, kind of Keith Richards type jaw. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I think I'd struggle to... to uh, as interesting as he is, I'd struggle to hold a conversation with him because uh, I'd be trying to be, bring his levels down. Probably wouldn't be appreciating the stuff that he was saying. You probably deserve a greater level of interest from me. I'd be thinking, well, how can I end this conversation? This is never going to die. I'd be giving him some quiet responses. He'd be coming back at me with the same level. I'd find it uncomfortable. But, you know, fantastic raconteur. And, uh, you know, I salute him. I, I, I salute his uh, his uh, Peter Ustinov skills. Ways to, get in, uh, ways to get in touch with the show. Let me say that again. Uh, Twitter, at 1607WestEgg. Email the show, DRT, at WestEgg1607.co.uk. You've got the uh, Facebook group page that you can join. You've got the blog, 1607westegg.wordpress.com. Here's something I don't like. Um, I don't like when you swat a fly and you actually touch it. The cafe has this ongoing problem with fruit flies quietened down for a few years they seem to be back in force although i think these are more uh, toilet flies than fruit flies are particularly active at the end of the cafe i sit at i hang my coat up on the rail and uh, they're always on the hook they'll fly off i don't like that moment uh, something i need to stop doing i realize today um, when i leave the cafe and i go across the road and uh, walk down uh uh, this this alleyway that you, you really ought not to walk down uh, daytime, let alone nighttime. Um, I need to stop putting my money away in my wallet as I'm crossing the road after leaving the cafe. I mean, what do I do if I drop any of the change on the road? The the slot for change in my wallet, very tight slot. So sticking the change in the wallet's no easy thing. Is the traffic going to stop for me if I drop any of that money? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I need to uh, I need to change that. Uh, before I continue with this week's show, uh, on a serious note, I have to talk for a few moments about the show's situation as it stands. I, I, I posted a, a message on the blog this week uh, announcing that shows 1 to 17 were available to buy. This is simply because iTunes and Jellycast only keep your 25 most recent uh, shows. So that was out of my hands. Um, and to be honest, I don't see anything wrong with making money from the old shows. I'm never going to charge for the new shows, but uh, the old shows, you know, it's a back catalogue. A lot of work's gone into it. I want to make this venture work. 
um, can't be doing this for free as I have done the last year. You know, I, I, I want to be successful at something again. So uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to apologize for that. But uh, just to let you know that uh, the way iTunes and Jellycast work, only your 25 most recent shows are kept on the site. Now, the show as it stands, is getting 16,000 downloads a week. I can just about cover this uh, financially. Oh, let me, I, I'm trying to give an important message. I think I know who this is. Hello? No, Tita, soy yo. Oh. Ah, que tengo los headphones puesto. Yeah. Okay. No te preocupes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, de nada, cuídate. Adiós. That was my uh, aunt. My uncle is on a diet, apparently. I think he ate too many pies over Christmas. Okay, let's see where I was. Okay, right. Um, right, so I was saying, okay, so 16,000 downloads a week. I can just about cover this financially. Um, I think any podcaster will know the amount of work that goes into making a show, and this the type of show that requires uh, uh, or asks for uh, input from its followers on Twitter. Uh, that just makes it even more work. Uh, so I want to make clear, I'm not going to charge for, for the latest shows. The new shows will remain free. Um, you know, the show's a lot of work. That's my choice. No one makes me do it. I don't like the editing. It's an effort for someone like me who's not a techie to have mastered editing, but I've, I've, I've adapted to it. I've, I've learned how to do it. It's still hard, but I, I do it. And, you know, I enjoy doing the actual show. It helped me. It helped me come back. It helped and helps me to understand many things about myself. There's the danger that I may come across as self-absorbed at, at times. I'll accept that criticism, but I think when you fail to the extent that I'd failed, you, you become very analytical. You have to sometimes be told to step out of your head because you you analyze everything that went wrong and why it went wrong, and you trace it back to particular points in your life. And I think I've done that, and I think it's helped me. I think people think I put everything in these shows, and I don't. I control what I give out. I turn down interview requests because I know that with those interviews, I won't be able to control the information that I put out there. Uh, there's obviously a lot that does go into the show, uh, but I stand by it. And then there are times when I worry that this is please don't hug me all over again, where uh, it's a show that's not a priority, but I'm doing it every week, regardless of uh, whether I, um, what my situation is, my priority really should be about returning to nine to five. I am trying. But it's, uh, I think, as most people know, it is very difficult out there. I think once I make that return, and I will make that return, that's when the isolation finishes. That's when this period ends. That's the final thing. I also need to focus on the book and the stand-up too. I do every week think, well, how much time did I put into this show? Six, seven hours every Thursday. Now, the way I can deal with that at my end is by shortening the shows, um, you know, giving myself that time to... to make that return to nine to five to focus on the book, to focus on the stand-up. But uh, another issue which I have kept quiet about over the last few weeks is uh, Jellycast, the publishers and myself, tried to establish what was going on. On top of these uh, weekly downloads, my bandwidth, uh, you know, which does cost a lot, is being targeted by a malicious individual whose IP address we now have. Um, and uh, Jellycaster basically said that bandwidth is being abused by this one person. Now, obviously, that person could be listening and that, as a result change their behavior. So I'm leaving myself open here to that. It may be that they take to downloading on a different day of the week. 
But it's such a problem now. That bandwidth has taken such a hit and has so changed things that as of this week, uh, you know, I have no option but to explain what's going on with the show. There's been an increase in downloads, a big increase. But on top of that, in addition to that, the figures towards the end of the week, six days after the show's out, are ridiculous. And 16,000 listeners, I can accept. More than that, no. Um, I, I, I just don't think the show has grown to that extent yet. And uh, we, we checked it out, one IP address, hitting the show for six, hammering the bandwidth, meaning I have to keep buying more bandwidth, and it's still only the start of the month. And there's only so much that Jellycast and myself can do about this. It's a lot of hassle. Like I say, this show shouldn't be a priority in my life. So what I now have to do, what I'm faced with doing right now, is with the exception of the last three or four shows, I'm going to have to pull off the whole archive of shows from Jellycast, and you'll see me doing this over the next few days. So this goes beyond the original plan that I had earlier this week of keeping the last 25 shows available to download. For instance, uh, I think the last, you know, show 18 would still be on there this week that you could download. That would be the oldest show. As of next week, show 18 would automatically disappear from iTunes and Jellycast because of that last 25 shows policy they have only. So show 19 would be the oldest show they have. So that's the way I was going to do it. That's the way I was happy to go with it for now. But because of this issue with the bandwidth, because of the way this uh, one person is just hitting me for six every week over the last month, I've got to change that now. The shows have to be pulled off. Leave three or four shows on there. Um, if this still continues, then all I'm going to be able to do is keep the current show online. Pull all the others, I'm afraid. The old shows will be available for 79p each. I, I can promise you, you have my word, it's not a ruse. Uh, a ruse? A ruse. Um, the plan was only to have the older shows uh, available to buy. Um, but I have to respond to what is going on here. I can't keep, on top of not making money, I can't keep plowing more money into this show. This show, sadly, isn't geared for success. I also, as I said, there are things I can do at my end. Uh, I need to bring in the shows under an hour as well, which will help bandwidth. Uh, try and aim eventually for 45 minutes right now, I think, because of the amount of features I have and I'm trying to incorporate every week, although I do leave stuff out. Um, that is not possible. Uh, going forward with the blog, I need to get a donate page in there. Uh, PayPal for downloads is the way forward, obviously, but you know, it's taken everything I have to learn how to edit. Um, all this other stuff is beyond my technical know-how. Going forward, my plan is to get the first anniversary of this show, uh, get get to show 52. Nine more shows after this week will bring me up to that 52 mark. Then I'd like to down tools for two or three weeks, rest, reflect uh, during that period, perhaps resubmit the fee to iTunes as they're asking me to do, and that should help get the show back into the charts. Um, that would be the ideal time to do it because the show will completely disappear from iTunes if I do that. Um, then I can come back refreshed to this and continue. Um, it does, you know, obviously frustrate me that there's someone out there who for whatever reason has an issue with the show or me and is harming it like this. The problem, unfortunately, and I've learned this uh, over the last year, year and a half, the problem with doing this kind of stuff is you do attract nutters. Uh, people think they know you. My last few stand-up gigs in the summer, I had a few incidents with one or two people turning up at the shows uh, whose presence affected my sets. They weren't friends, they were they were listeners. Um, it's a bit of a learning curve. The You know, you, you have to try and understand that the anonymity that you had as a writer is simply long gone. Uh, but so, yeah, that's... 
for everyone to bear in mind those changes will start happening over the next few days on with the show now uh, nose hall of fame victoria sponge seven back this week with martita hunt uh, the sponge writes um, every week if you remember she chooses a uh, a big nose because she's a fan of big noses she loves noses and this week she's chosen martita hunt during a visit to a well-known gallery i was captivated by one of the most exquisite pictures i've ever seen a small unassuming painting drowning in amongst much larger more ostentatious pieces this picture illustrated in profile a sensational nose that took my breath away in a room full of noses in the form of paintings and busts there was nothing in comparison i was so mesmerized by the nose i clean forgot to take note of the subject of the portrait and it subsequently took an afternoon in trying to find it uh let me see some brief facts here about martita hunt award-winning actress of argentinian descent uh born uh january 1900 died uh, june 1969 famed for her role as the fearful miss havisham she didn't shy away from challenging roles uh roger ebert commented on her fine nose suggesting she commanded the screen as miss havisham as a beak-nosed shabby figure um uh, the sponge continues as a woman delicate features are revered small button uninteresting noses are highly desirable it is far more noticeable for a woman to have a generous nose however from hunt's great achievements it is clear that the size of her nose didn't deter her at all furthermore becoming an actress can leave you subject to harsh ridicule was hunt known as the nose did directors refuse to cast her due to her bountiful nose did they require a more feminine nose i wonder how she felt about her nose did she detest it did she ever try to change it? Would she only be painted or photographed in a certain way to distract from the size of it? There's little evidence around, however. I'm intrigued to discover if it hindered her chances with the opposite sex. Could men look past the nose and see the woman? I don't think so. I've seen the picture. Uh, surely there was one gent out there who fell in love with both the woman and the nose in spite of it being a generous size. In fact, uh, the nose attracted them initially. Surely there was one man that could look at her nose and see the stunning beauty it emanated and love her and her perceived law perceived in brackets there i've seen the nose i've got to say it is a very big nose uh more troubling to me though were the uh, two warts on the neck the neck area is often targeted by men as a, as, as a meltdown point uh to which most women succumb but uh, i wouldn't go anywhere near this woman's neck very ugly warts hopefully the sponge will get another nose to us for next week's uh show this week's show, I've brought it out earlier, uh, recording in the afternoon. I've got a funeral early tomorrow morning to get to in uh, West London, uh, given my alarms being playing up to, uh, the early start is of some concern to me. Um, do you find afternoon recordings harder? The equivalent for me, I think, of playing in the Europa League on a Thursday night. I don't particularly do well in the afternoons, um, but uh, because of the funeral tomorrow, I'm bringing the recording forward. Don't want to be spending all night uploading this. Um, it's been another low key week i mean everything is low key there's nothing too stressful right now that's the thing i'm calm where a year ago i wasn't calm having a, a few dreams about match over the last couple of weeks and i kind of wonder whether this is the thing that i'm going to be dealing with now do i have to deal with anything at any time of the moments in my life where i'm not going to have anything to deal with you know maybe i'm reading too much into this I managed to get through this all when, you know, all the crap was going on as, you know, others fell and that, that, you know, the loss of match hit them very hard. And it hit me hard, but I had so much going on that I was just able to continue, you know. But I've been dreaming a lot about him the last couple of weeks. And, you know, you just think of someone dying at 37 and, you know, that should be perspective enough for me to be able to turn things around fully. But... I miss him, you know, I miss him, I miss him so much, and he was one of them guys who would just call me all the time, 
you know, to the point where I look at the phone and sometimes think, oh, God, because I'm not great on the phone. I don't particularly enjoy speaking on the phone. And then you think now of all the times that you didn't want to speak and what you would do now for a call from them, and you think, you know, why was I so stupid? But, you know, I'm not beating myself up about that. I just miss him, and, uh, you know, I wish he was here. It's hard to lose, um, you know, anyone. It's hard to lose parents. It's uh, To lose someone your own age, though, that, that takes... Uh, you know, someone that you grew up with, you don't expect that. You do expect to lose your parents, unfortunately. You don't expect to be uh, losing people that you grow up with till you're all old, much older anyway. I sometimes wonder what my mum would have said about all these losses that hit me over the last 10 years, you know, whether she would have been a strength for me during these periods. If my dad had died first, how would my mum have dealt with it? Because I have to say my dad, you know, was, was brilliant for me when my mum died. So that's uh, that's been playing on my mind a little. At 1.45 a.m. the other night, two or three nights ago, I'd, I'd woken up from a deep hour, about an hour and a half sleep by a, a voice in the room. And I've said months ago that I've suffered sporadically from night terrors for over 10 years now. Um, I think usually when sleeping alone, uh, and I'm so experienced when it comes to this stuff now, I just calmly got myself out of bed. I was still hearing the voice which was probably clearer than the voices I hear from locals around here, from real voices. And I told myself, you know, there's nothing in this room talking to me. It's just me. It's me and my 45 togs worth of bedding. When you've got that much bedding, you're invincible. Nothing can hurt you when you've got 45 togs. You will sweat. That's all that's going to happen. I switched the light on, sat on the edge of the bed, and the voice was gradually replaced by the bird that always starts singing right outside my window around this time. And then as the bird sang... I could still hear the voice. It was like, it was the bird and the voice. I think it's what the kids would call a mashup. And I was thinking, why am I hearing this bird talking? I can't remember what was being said, but it was just like some whispering. It was words. And I had a battle hard to get back to sleep. Now, when this last happened, and I was in the flat when it last happened, it was around May or June time, and I talked about it on one of the early shows, and I was so spooked that this had all started up again that I looked into this extensively. I spent days reading into night terrors and I was able to establish the scientific argument that what seems very real to the person whose sleep is disturbed are in fact hallucinations caused by a lack of sleep, depression, anxiety, all of which was happening to me at that time and ever since I established that I've not really had any issues. I think going back 10 years I can now say that of all the incidents I had maybe only two, certainly one, that I would regard as unexplainable and not uh, dismissed at all by what I've read. Um, I was worried the bird, if it was a talking bird, might be looking to confer some message to me that I had to take out to the world. Uh, which, given the grief, I see the God Squad getting outside Stockwell Station on a Saturday afternoon. That's not something I look forward to being bestowed upon me, really. And I'm a bit of a lazy guy. I don't think I'd, I'd be suited to uh, spreading any message. I did get a few tweets on this, including a brilliant one from John Welch uh, regarding a, a monkey in Monaco Zoo, which I won't read out because I didn't ask John if I could use it on the show, but uh, follow John's timeline or my timeline for it on Twitter. Uh, 11th of January, very funny stuff from uh, John. Uh, ways to contact the show, Twitter at 1607westegg, email drt at westegg1607.co.uk. Uh, Timestamp, it's August 95 this week, and not much from me, really. Uh, and I chose this timestamp because I remember that around this period, I was bored like no other period in my life. 
Um, the comics industry in this country was falling apart. I lost three regular comic strips that I was writing that year. Um, one comic owed me over a grand, which, you know, when you're 22 years old, that's a lot of money. I'd left the picture library at the start of the year to focus on the uh, comic writing. Um, and that was a mistake, really. That was a very good job. I was working at a picture library. Very exciting. I think I've covered it before. Working in Fitzrovia. One of the worst decisions I ever made leaving that. And I was so bored that summer that I went back to uh, a part-time college course in September. A radio course. Uh, so it's summer of 95. A year off from, from my uh, final, second and final A-level failure. I was stuck at home. I was lost and bored. I was still unable to talk about the relationship that had ended with the uh, girl from college the year before. I tried to find ways to keep myself busy. I remember one day I went to local park, Larkhall Park. Um... That's a bridge between uh, Stockwell and uh, Wandsworth Road. And I went there to sit in the sun after my dad hassled me constantly about how white I was. I spent about, I think, 30 minutes finding a patch of grass that didn't have any dog muck on it. Sat down, didn't have a book on me, dragged it out for 45 minutes. Nothing to read. And I thought, you know what, I can't do this. I'm not a, I'm not a guy that sits in the park. I, I can't pretend that I am. And I don't think I've ever sat in a park since, not alone. So that was it, really. It was such a boring summer. We replaced our video. I bought another video. Um, I remember there was one great night that summer. I went to a club with a with a friend who was getting me into jazz that summer. And I'd got heavily into jazz that summer. And I bought a load of Miles Davis albums. Acid Jazz was still around. I was going to the uh, Blue Note every Friday in Shoreditch. Um, just before he got really poncy. And I went there one night and had such a good night and saw this brilliant band um, doing a live jam on the ground floor. I was just absolutely mesmerised and so exhilarated by that experience that particular night. My mum and sister were coming back from Spain the following morning and I walked all the way home from Shoreditch. I don't know how many miles that was, but I remember when I got to the um, the bridge, the walkover bridge at Vauxhall, I could barely get up those stairs and it was the night before Stan Collymore made his debut for Liverpool, you know, and uh, I was still a massive, massive football fan at that time, and Collymore got that extraordinary goal on his debut where he turned past a number of Sheffield Wednesday players and hit, a, I think, a 25-yard goal, and Robbie Fowler had bleached his hair. So that was that was one great night that summer. Uh, Pete Domican, different pronunciation there. I'm trying all sorts of things now. Uh, Pete says, I've thought about this for hours. I had no recollection of anything about August 1995 whatsoever. I can only conclude that I was abducted by aliens for the entire duration. Show's drugs are Miss Ella Simone. Ella uh, tweeted, I was 16. I just finished my GCSEs. I got grounded for the entire eight-week summer holiday. I went to Leeds to stay with my grandparents as I wasn't allowed out. My cousin was staying, the same one whose girlfriend slashed her wrists and wrote blood messages on his porn mags. Uh, we spent the summer watching Turnabout. I don't know what that is. Uh, listening to Oasis and Judge Dredd. And I had a summer romance with my cousin's new girlfriend's brother. He was an idiot but looked like Will Meller. Uh, Callum VS, August 95, I was finishing off my MSc and my uh, classmates and I rented a flat in Harborn, Birmingham. Some neighbours uh, were keen to say hello and ask us what we did for a job and how we were. I discovered months later that a pal's girlfriend thought we were gay. She was disappointed to find out we weren't as I think she thought it was cool to have gay friends. Actually, uh, my low profile on the uh, female front right now is reviving the gay rumours that beset my life in the mid-90s. Uh, 
and my family unless you've got a woman with you everywhere you go you're in trouble and that's that's my situation right now and next week's timestamp is june 2010 get those in twitter at 1607 west egg or email the show drt at west egg 1607.co.uk timestamp in the subject header You're listening to the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast, show 43, coming to you from SW8. Had a haircut this week, um, first since October, not too bad for me considering I went five months without a haircut last year. Um, Like the new shower cream, a good way to start the year, I think, positive way to start the year. Is it me actually, by the way, or do shower creams give off a, a better smell than shower gels? Is there anything in that? Anyway... Uh, I'm at the hairdressers, uh, had the head massage. Now, usually the head massage l- will leave a male client grateful for the baggy hairdressing gown when it's over, when the massage is over and he has to walk across the salon for the actual haircut. Um, at that point, the haircut, the whole experience becomes an ordeal, but the head massage is, is what you look forward to if you're a guy. But I felt this crushing pressure on the head. I was like, what's this? This isn't a head massage. It was like uh, the end of a... You know that cold, sharp pain that you get when you're having a slush puppy? It was like the end of that pain. I was shocked. I was thinking, what is this? Until I realised it was her thumbs. So, having a haircut, usual small talk, limited myself to three lies. I think lying is permissible in small talk. For all I know, she was lying to me too. Uh, More chance of her lying to me than me lying to her, really, when you think she's probably working an eight-hour shift and tired of talking about the same things to customers. The small talk, as usual, petered out. It's like a bad date. But the good thing is, at least this time, I look like I've had a haircut. I estimate that in my lifetime, 70% of the haircuts I've had have not been apparent to others. I think when you have a haircut, it should look like you've had a haircut. That's key to the haircut, I think. Time now for this week's song, Overkill. Which songs have you overplayed and why? Um, I'm going with one this week that uh, was meant to be my song last week. I can't, I think, actually, yeah, shamefully, I went with Wet, 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 Angel Eyes last week. Uh, Scala and uh, Kalachny, With or Without You, um, a cover by the same choir that did the uh, last Christmas cover that Downton Abbey used for their trailer. Um, I like it. Um, I like that period of U2, the whole... um, Joshua Tree, Rattle and Hum period, uh, the only period really of U2 that I did like. And uh, it works, it works. There, there are no surprises in it. You, you, They do what you would uh, imagine a choir would do with such a song, but it works, and uh, I like it. Uh, Pete uh, emailed in, he's gone with Bjork, uh, Bjork's uh, Joga. Uh, to be truthful, uh, Pete says, I grow hot and cold with the Icelandic beauty. Uh, I saw her first with the Sugar Cubes playing second on the Bill to New Order at the Reading Festival and have followed her career ever since. Sometimes I find her immensely irritating and find it uh, virtually unlistenable. At other times I sit there spellbound, totally wrapped up in her music. Joga is a dedication to her close friend, Johanna. Joanne, I don't know how to say that. Uh, nicknamed Joga, and to their homeland, Iceland. The song features electronic beats mixed with a classical string arrangement, as in the other tracks of the album Homogenic. Simply stunning. Uh, Pete uh, finishes, I only included the last bit about Joanna's surname, as I know Daniel wouldn't be able to pronounce the name properly. He can't even cope with my surname. That is true, and I'm still struggling with Pete's surname. I may need Pete to send in an MP3 saying his own name. 
Also, uh, what are the origins of Pete's surname? He's a, he's a. I'm still trying to fully understand. I'm fascinated by the whole Northerners supporting a Southern team because Northerners are usually very, you know, fiercely loyal to their their teams. Um, it's us Southerners who are glory hunters. Um, although to be fair, supporting Spurs hardly uh, marks you out as a glory hunter. Uh, going back to Pete's email, uh, the New Order Reading performance that you saw Bjork at was would that have been the uh, '98? The New Order's come back in '98, or is this uh, one of the '80s gigs? Uh, Mickey Boyd, uh, his song Overkill this week, made available by the Mac Lads, a bunch of posh northerners who were a very decent live band, uh, also very good at swearing. I've, I've never heard of them. Uh, uh, Victoria Sponge, Seven Adagio for Strings by Samuel Barber. Famously used in Platoon, but what most people forget is it had been used seven years earlier in The Elephant Man, actually. I don't think any film has ever used Adagio for Strings better than Elephant Man, the end of Elephant Man, where uh, John Merrick's piling on all those pillows to support his large head no where he actually takes them off doesn't he because uh it's inferred i think my understanding that he that he knows what he's doing that he's killing himself but because he knows he needs those pillows there's about 43 cushions which is the amount of cushions my aunt uh uh put in uh, my cousin's car when we drove up to bath on uh, christmas day um i don't think any film should be allowed to use the dadjo for strings again it has been overkilled but it is I, I can I have to be in the mood to listen to it now because it, I've heard it so many times over the last sort of you know 25 years. But it is a beautiful tune. Now the Sponge writes during particularly stressful periods in my life, I always turn to this piece of music. It is without doubt one of the most be uh, beautiful pieces of music I've ever heard. I have a physical reaction to it. First time I heard Adagio uh, for strings, I was attempted to compile a rather controversial piece of work for my dissertation due to my incredible ineptitude pertaining to time management I was for a change pulling an all-nighter sat at my desk vibrating from too much coffee submerged in a cloud of cigarette smoke close to giving up and walking away I switched on my radio in an attempt to find something to soothe my anxiety fortunately I stumbled across this wonderful tune so mesmerized by it I stepped away from my desk and lay on my bed and watched the sun come up through my dirty broken skylight Finally, my brain stopped. I didn't even try and pick out all of the different musical instruments used in the music as I usually do. I just listened. I find myself in a particularly stressful period once again pertaining to my health, my family and the yearning for something more, which is why I've turned again to this enchanting piece of music. Well, uh, whatever the uh, particularly stressful period in the sponge's life may be, um, you know, uh, hopefully that will sort itself out and... Uh, I'll give her a buy this week on her spelling errors. Um, Miss Ella Simone, Rodrigo y, y, Rodrigo y Gabriela Tamacun. There we go. Um, uh, Ella says, this has been lifting my mood on the commute to work after seven weeks out of the office. Uh, it's got a flamenco-like feel. I played this. I know Pete also played it. He was on Twitter talking about it. I, I like it. I like it very good. Uh, unusual to see. Um, I don't know if they're Spanish or South American or whatever they are. Unusual though to see a woman playing that kind of uh, classical Spanish guitar, but it works. It really does work. Uh, Toby, uh, Toby Mono. Uh, my overplayed song is Dexy's Midnight Runners. Gino, if it's not on, I'm mentally playing the first 45 seconds over in my head. Toby uh, is uh, someone, uh, one of my new Twitter followers. I'm following him back exchanging a few tweets with a, a young man with a fringe some 15 years younger than me i'm trying i'm, I'm trying to connect he's a he's a, he's a funny guy uh, i think if he can lose the fringe in the next five years we'll get along better but uh yeah um dixie's midnight runners gino that is 
their most famous song, isn't it? Other than um, Come On Eileen, I think. Anyway, uh, keep your overplayed songs coming in. Uh, tweet at 1607westegg. Email the show, DRT at westegg1607.co.uk. Uh, if I do get quite a few of these song overkills in, then I do post them on the blog from time to time. It's a lot of work, so I'll only do it if it's really worth it. Uh, in the case of this week, I don't think it is. It's not only bread that rises. That was Bread Isle 27, and this week's inspirational message, the first of our inspirational messages, was sent in by Bark Pamphlet, who you can follow on Twitter at Bark Pamphlet. If you've got an inspirational message that you'd like me to read out whilst we're in the uh, Bread Isle, uh, tweet it uh, at 1607westegg or email it in um, drt at westegg1607.co.uk and just put Bread Isle in the message head, or you can even send it in yourself as an MP3. Time now for Sherlock, uh, overrated TV shows, how it works. Um, Last week I was explaining that my overrated TV show, and it has to be a current show, not an old show, not a show that was great but then went bad, a show that has just been held up from the beginning as a great show, and you take issue with that. Um, Mine is Sherlock for reasons explained last week. Uh, My opinion, uh, as bad as the remake of Minder with Shane Ritchie, I could talk forever about my issues with Cumberbatch, uh, mindful of the bandwidth issues. I, I won't this week. I'll say uh, I have seen now both Sherlock Holmes films, the Robert Downey Jr. films. I I, I I thought the first one was very good. I think the second one was good. Um, but I think it's the criticism I've had from listeners of it is uh, from, from, from show listeners who've seen the film. The sequel is that it's too action heavy. And it certainly is. But uh, Jared Harris is superb as Moriarty. Uh, what a wonderful actor. Um, I've long thought, I think since he came into Mad Men in Series 3, that he's the best thing in that show, but woefully underused. He's, he's, he's an absolutely brilliant actor. Uh, and I like I like the I, I like the films, but, you know, I, I think, as I said last week, I'm just relieved that uh, Sherlock Holmes doesn't fly, what with it being a Hollywood film. Um, okay, uh, Pete this week. Uh, Pete says he's going for total wipeout. People fall off a rubber ball, they laugh. People fall off a rubber ball, they laugh. People fall off a rubber ball, laugh. Richard Hammond laughs. Repeat for several series. <laughs> it's totally effing moronic. Um, I've seen this. Um, I only recognise this from Pete's very accurate description. Obviously, uh, it's uh, well, is it, it's probably more similar to Takeshi's Castle, isn't it? Or than uh, than it's a knockout. What strikes me about it is that everything is very slippery. It looks like every task set is so damn difficult. It really is. Um, I can imagine it really saps the energy of the contestants. But yeah, it's uh, it's not a good show. Uh, Pete finishes off saying, "P.S. Sherlock was really shit this week." Um, that's the thing about this week's Sherlock. I I thought it was okay. Um, I thought it was the best one. I've seen all five, and uh, I thought it was the best one. I thought the plot was obvious from the beginning. You know, ten minutes in, I already knew what was going on. Um, I think what killed that show for me was the Mind Palace sequence. That was just so ridiculous. And I think sometimes what happens with actors is they'll be mindful of the great reviews they've received as a result of the uh, first series and they come back and they just throw even more at it and I just think Cumberbatch is too big in this it's uh, his performance is, is, is too big he needs to uh, tone it down I think Freeman's very good but yeah I thought Sherlock was the better one I've watched it um, again 
well, don't know. I think that's covered what I thought about it last week. Um, David Bailey um, tweeted in, Miranda, at least in terms of plaudits and fans, oh, on that astrology program with Brian Cox. Can I just nominate Brian Cox? Uh, David finishes. Uh, yeah, Miranda, how, how bad is that? I think um, it'd be so much easier as a writer to see so much brilliant stuff on TV and accept that there are simply better writers out there than me and other writers I know who aren't getting work. I just don't know of any other industry where mediocrity is rewarded more than TV. Seriously, I mean, you can say I'm a disgruntled writer, you can say I'm sore, whatever. I felt the same way when I was successful. Uh, I felt the same thing. There's still way too many programs that should not be getting made, and you wonder why they're being made. It'd be great to see shows, as you often do. I mean, you 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 get into a show, you buy the box set, and you, you watch it, and you say, okay, that's what I have to aim for, otherwise I'm going to get nowhere. I have to find a way of improving. I have to find a way of getting to that level, otherwise I may as well look at doing something else. Then you have your Sherlock's, your Miranda's, you're not going out, yeah, your sundry panel shows, and you think, why am I at home? Why am I looking for secretarial work? Why isn't my work selling? Why, when I'm writing original stuff, Am I being told you're not ticking this box, you're not doing this, you're not doing that? Uh, you've got to write for a BBC Three audience. When I first kicked off about Sherlock last year on Twitter, someone asked if I thought I could do better. And I responded saying I wasn't that kind of writer. I wasn't saying that I could write Sherlock better. What I was saying was I wasn't interested in writing that kind of show. I'd rather have a stab at creating something completely original. That's, that's, uh, that's what I said. Uh, Callum vs Coronation Street and the humour on it. You can see the whimsical funny bits coming a mile off. I don't even watch it and I know that. When I was a kid I thought uh, Coronation Street, I thought it was superb. Uh, I watched it from about 82 through to the early 90s. I thought Stan and Hilda were up there with George and Mildred. I thought it was a funny show. Um, still gets mentioned when I'm talking with writer friends as an example of what a good show was. I think the problem with Coronation Street is it started having to compete with EastEnders and Brookside in terms of sensational storylines. I think all of those shows lost their way as a result. I think it became difficult to... Re when it when it became about ratings, when they were suddenly on more than two nights a week and they were competing against each other, I thought... And EastEnders was sensationalist from the off, and I think that changed Coronation Street as a program. It had to respond to that. And then you had the Aussie soaps coming through in the late 80s, and I remember all these young, you know, pretty... Uh, pretty actors in uh, Neighbours and Home and Away, they changed things and, and by the end of 89 Coronation Street had responded by bringing in its own young family, the McDonald's, with uh, Steve and his McDonald and his brother who left a few years later, I can't remember, um, Jim McDonald and his wife and uh, it's a shame, it's a shame because it was a great show. Keep your Sherlock's coming in, Twitter, hashtag Sherlock. Um, uh, at West Egg 16, sorry, 1607 West Egg, and email the show DRT at westegg1607.co.uk. Uh, sticking Sherlock in the head, I'm feeling a, a bit of a sore throat, wondering where that's coming from. Now, uh, I had a, uh, let me see where I am actually. I had a book, uh, I was going to go with Ewan's thing actually first, and I'll, I'll, I'll do that next. Let me just rejig this run in order. Uh, yeah, uh, Murakami, I've been reading this book the last week, I can't put it down, uh, for a guy whose focus is shot, it, it takes a great book to, 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 to keep me coming back to it, Haruki Murakami, uh, The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle, it's been years since a, a, a piece of modern fiction captivated me like this, uh, I mean, I'm a sucker for the classics, um, book was given to me, uh, <laughs> 
because I, I was told you should read this given where you are in your life, the lead character is a dropout. And, uh, you know, after 30 or 40 pages, I realized this and I can so relate to it. I can relate to that sense of failure, the isolation, the woman leaving him. The cat's gone. I don't think that would bother me. Um, he meets a weird bunch of characters. But there's this sequence uh, where an old Japanese soldier um, brings him a box belonging to a guy called Mr. Honda. Mr. Honda had some sort of weird thing going on. He was some kind of, uh, I don't know what he was, like a medium or something. And uh, when the lead character got married, him and his uh, wife-to-be would have to visit Mr. Honda. So this, after Mr. Honda dies, his old uh, army colleague travels to meet with the uh, lead character and he tells him the story um, about how he and a group of, uh, well, another guy were captured by Mongolian soldiers and the subsequent atrocity he witnessed. I've never read anything like it. Um, a spy, suspected spy, is skinned alive. Shocking, haunting, unsettling. I'm on the northern line reading this, going all the way to Morden. I couldn't put it down, but I can't get it out of my head right now. But the book is just brilliant. It's an incredible book, and I know what I'm like, and I know I'm going to follow this up by revisiting the guy's... Uh, well, not revisiting, because I've never read him before, but get, uh, discovering the guy's other work, um, of which there is plenty. The whole book's got me thinking about the isolation, how I can find a way of reconnecting with the outside world other than just words. I need to be wearing the clothes I feel I should be wearing. I think that's that's the first thing. I'm like a superhero dressed largely in the same gear and a steer costume credit crunch man. I'm gathering strength through my commitment to the basics range vitamins that I'd buy. Yeah, brilliant book. Uh, Nectar points. Now the uh, basics range segue there. Nectar points uh, opened uh, with 477 today. Uh, I in I don't know what that word was. I gained 16 points today, bringing me to 493. Seven points short of that free observer that 500 points would bring me. Tantalizing two days to get to those seven points. Can I do it? You're damn right I can, and I will. Uh, disappointed to see Aquarius Cream has gone up. Hovis, best of both. Uh, medium Slice, that's gone up by 10p. What's going on, Sainsbury's? My family was buying back from you. Was buying from you back in the 70s. I even met Margaret Thatcher there in the uh, Stockholm Sainsbury's in the late 70s before the general election. I don't know what's that, what that's got to do with anything, in all honesty. But, uh, you know, 30, 40 years you've been taking the, uh, the Ruiz ties and money. We were with you before you started going all Billy Big Time in the 80s with your big stores. And this is what you do? This is how you repay us? I'm going to stop buying bread at some point. I, I warn you now, if, you, if, you, if it goes up again, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to buy any more bread from you. Uh, what else did I buy? I bought a different shower gel. Olive Relax. Disappointing. You see, you find a shower cream, uh, cherry blossom, vanilla bean that you really do like, and on the same day you're buying another shower gel because you, uh, you see an offer on it. I'm quite disloyal when it comes to shower gel, I have to say. So, uh... Yeah, had an email from Eamon during the week. 
if you remember uh, show 13 back in June, I talked about car football, this uh, game, uh, a version of Sabuto but played with matchbox cars that me and my cousins played and which ran for 13 years. Um, Eamon uh, tweeted a few weeks ago a picture of a very curious looking game played with coins. Now, quite a few people have played football with coins. What struck me about Eamon's was his coins, they were actually kitted out. They were, they, they were, they were in strips and numbers, if I remember rightly. And uh, Eamon emailed in, uh, Across the country, I'm sure that there are countless versions of coin football being played in the old world public houses of Great Britain, but each town has a different creed, its own rules, style, and never-ending arguments over what the bloody rules are exactly. Um, I do remember playing a variation at school back in my pre-wallet days. I'd struggle with this now, given my aversion to handling money, but uh, I'm familiar with it, but it was a dull game and uh, nothing uh, compared to what Eamon has set out in his email. Eamon continues, it's not surprising they didn't have, uh, they didn't write the rules down. These people were out in a pub drinking and having fun. They didn't have the time to write things down like an unemployed geek. Thankfully, in the early 90s, we did have the time, and so the official World Coin Football Federation was born. Well, okay, five layabouts spent a winter, a few winter nights a year waiting for their gyros to clear playing this game. Remember, this started before the internet, when it was always possible to get really bored. Anyway, this is how I remember it. This rule set evolved over time. We, we experimented with a lot, all kinds of coins, surfaces, and rule variations. So... Trust me, I'm a game designer. This isn't the chip and rush coin football that was played on the carpet. Oh no, it's not the eye-threatening spin and thumb flick sport that is the rugby version. No, this is the modern game with the smaller two-pence piece rather than the heavy old-school ten-pence piece played on the deck or kitchen tabletop. A smooth wooden surface, preferably with a light dusting of flour to provide that extra zip that characterises the... <laughs> The big European nights under the kitchen lights with a cup of tea riding on it. This is the beautiful game as defined by the founding five. Finchy Flies, Joventus, Wilkins Wanderers, Smithies Vikings and me. Amonio Athletic. Now you two can start your own club for an investment as small as 6p and some tipex. Enjoy. Uh, Eamon also submitted um, a list of rules. Very detailed. Uh, you know, they look brilliant. Uh, problem I have is I couldn't print them to read uh, to read out on the show, and I'm not sure I can post them on the blog. They're in some weird format. So uh, if if Eamon's listening, or if you tweet Eamon at I don't know if it's Eops or E O P S on Twitter, uh, I'm sure he can find a way of getting uh, the rules to you. But they look uh, brilliant. I'll see later if I can post them on the blog. Uh, but I was having trouble with uh, the format. It's a variation of PDF, I think, um, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, there you go. Coin Football, if you've played any or created any games such as uh, Eamon has here or such as me and my cousins did with Car Football, get in touch with a show email drt at westegg1607.co.uk. Uh, that's it for this week. Please rate and review the show on iTunes. Thanks to those of you who already have. You can also listen on Jellycast, Stitcher Radio and Mixcloud. You've got the Facebook group. Uh, you can follow the show on. You can uh, also uh, post on the blog. Um, <coughs> keep following the show. Twitter at 1607WestEgg. Email DRT at westegg1607.co.uk. Uh, for next week's show, get your song overkills in. Your Sherlock's uh, timestamp is June 2010. Uh, you can get details on the blog 1607westegg.wordpress.com of how to order any old shows. Episode guide for shows 1 to 17 are already on the blog. The rest will follow. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, before you make that next big decision, remember, as my man Murakami says, nowhere has everything you need. I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson. Next week, people. Next week. <laughs>